Welcome to Hashtag Actor Life. I'm your host, John Rosenfeld. Today we are talking to the one-of-a-kind Leah McKendrick. When Leah came to my studio, I was impressed by her talent, but even more impressed by her drive and insatiable need to create. And that drive has led her to a multi-hyphenated career that many dream of. Actress, writer, and director. She also happens to be a lovely human. Today, we're talking about her new movie, Scrambled, which she wrote, directed, and starred in. And she gives us a fantastic take on what it takes to not just get a movie made, but what it takes to be successful in this arena. Without further ado, the one and only Leah McKendrick. Leah McKendrick, how are you? I'm good. I'm happy to talk to you, John. I am really happy to talk to you. You know, I was looking uh, in our database and I saw that it's actually about our 10-year anniversary of knowing each other. Oh my gosh. It's our anniversary. I love it. Yeah. It's amazing how much can change in 10 years, right? A lot can change. Yeah. I mean, you you have grown so much. Your studio has grown so much, but you're still kind of doing, you're still rocking. You're still doing it. <laughs> you're still doing still all rock. of it. Hell yeah. Oh, uh, thank God the strike is over, right? I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those weird few that was somewhat relieved to be on strike because I felt I was running on fumes and it was a forced break. And I was grateful for that. Yeah. I think you're able to use it well. Um, I was with you. I was sitting next to you last week watching your movie Scrambled. I have to tell you, I got really emotional watching it. And I think it was a, a, a couple of things that contributed to that. One was uh, the movie itself. And two, just watching you. Um, and and just so incredibly overwhelmed with feeling about how, what you accomplished. You know, it was such a, to me, it was such a um, wonderful representation of what, of who you are. Because like the movie, you literally will us through the movie. Like your will becomes our will. We become so uh, attached to what your need is and to what your want is. And I think that is so much of who you are. Like you are really capable of willing what you want into existence. Um, I want to know how it's feeling right now. I'm sure it's very overwhelming. That's so nice to say. I'm trying to take that in because it's been a lot of, a lot coming at me. Um, people's opinions, people's true life experiences, anecdotes. A lot of it is really epic and beautiful to receive so much, but it's almost like your brain starts to shut down. It's probably a defense mechanism to just stop <laughs> being able to receive criticism or praise. It's almost like my I'm it, I I I relate it to being drunk and you're trying to focus on what somebody is saying and make sense of it and your brain is like not really cooperating. So I've been trying to come out of that a bit, you know, <laughs> just, I feel, I feel, I feel a lot. I, it's hard. I'm still processing. I'm still processing all the things that I'm feeling. I'm grateful. I'm, um, I feel overstimulated, overexposed. I feel, um, closer to people. I feel, I feel so, um, amazed and touched by how much people have supported me. I also feel hurt that certain people have not supported me. I mean, it's just, it's all the emotions at once. It's everything at once. So I'm still sorting through all of it. But ultimately, I'm very grateful and proud of myself. <laughs> We're going to make this podcast a little bit like a movie. We're going to go forward and back, I think. <laughs> because I can understand why you felt so exposed. I mean, this is not a movie that you, uh, I mean, it's you, mm -hmm. it's all you. I mean, let's think about this. You wrote it, you directed it, you're yeah. starring in it. You know, you had uh, um, uh, produced it, right? Um, sort of. Uh, you know, sort of. Uh, uh, you had a huge part in casting it. You know, mm -hmm. you cast a lot of our peeps, you know? I mean, this was an expression of you, like if it, would have gone horribly wrong. There was really only one person that would have gone down. Yes. You know what I mean? And that requires an extraordinary amount of will, bravery. Also, I get it. I think you almost have to get, wouldn't you say that you almost have to get into a zone where you have to block out so many voices in your head? 
Oh, yeah. I'm sure a lot of fear got mustered up, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody's always asking me, like, how do you direct yourself? How do you change all the hats, all the hats, all the hats? And I go, you don't take off the hats. All the hats are always there. You can't untangle the actor from the director, from the writer. And I actually think it's kind of um, helpful that as an, as an actor, I know what I'm looking for. I've already envisioned it in my head. I already know. I wrote the script, so I know at what point I think it starts to get hard to continue in the monologue. I think at, I know at what point as a director, I think it'd be epic if you surprised the audience and she starts to break down, even though she's on a roll. And so in a lot of ways, I think it's all the hats are always on and they're just different feathers in one hat. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 uh, I, I really think every actor should direct themselves at least once direct their own projects. I think every actor should write at least give it a shot. We've been writing our whole lives. We've all written poetry as kids or essays or, you know, we, we were taught to write really young. It's just that some people stick with it longer. Right. Uh, and you could also argue that every single director should act. <laughs> totally. I mean, I think totally. that that's another thing is that directors need to understand what the actor process is. And I think, you know, I think if you're using your acting in the right way, you probably are writing and you probably are directing. There's a, you know, there's all these videos. It's like uh, Matt Damon has one where he's talking about Jack Nicholson. He's like, the only way, only reason I've made it this far is because I'm a hell of a good writer. Wow. You know, I almost feel like that's a bigger jump for a director who's never acted to try acting than it is for an actor to try directing because an actor is used to being directed. An actor has already seen what what works for them and, and what speaks to them. And they have already benefited from great direction right. uh, and and seen what it's like to have terrible direction where they're struggling and they really feel like they're becoming a robot because they're like in their head about it. But I think a lot of actors, I mean, a lot of directors might not necessarily know what goes into great acting. It can, it feels like this sort of magical, um, you know, uh, uh, unable to articulate gift, right? It's, it's, uh, it's abstract. So in some ways to have an, a director try their hand at acting feels like a really big ask. But I think any director that's brave enough to do it absolutely should. Yeah, I mean, I used to have, uh, uh, I don't remember which studio, but the studio would send me people who were in their directing program to take acting classes mm-hmm. just to learn how to communicate. Because I think, you know, you, I think you have certain directors who do not have experience acting who are just trying to get you to fit in with their shot list. Yes. Or a look that they want where it's not where, you know, we as actors need to be the logic police of like, but why? Sure. Why am I doing that? But let's go back. So in class last night, it was, I thought it really uh, was interesting to me. Um, I mentioned that I had seen your movie was saying everyone should see this movie. And a couple of the young um, actors who are uh, really talented and lovely were really uh, curious about your journey. They're like, wait, how did she do that? Like, because your movie's in 700 theaters and you know, you don't just, it's not like you just arrived at this movie. Like there were so many things that took place to happen. It was an accumulation of your efforts. It's an accumulation of your growth as an artist and as a human being and self-awareness. So now that we went to, so this is the present is scrambled. Let's go back to the past. Yeah. If you don't mind. Do you remember our first consultation? Yeah, I do. I remember crying a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Because part of it is just an emotionalness of being back in the womb that is an acting studio. And then part of it is getting that messaging in college that your teachers want you to cry. Your teachers want you to be that emotionally available. And I remember you being like, are you okay? (laughs) You're like, are you okay? You're crying a lot. It was really funny. Yeah. Do you remember anything else that was said in that consultation? 
that is my, honestly, that is my biggest thing that I just remember kind of revealing to you a lot of where I was in my, in my journey as an actor. And I remember you just being so like unfazed by all of it. You were like in control. And I was like, I trust this guy. I feel like nothing, I couldn't say anything that would shock, that would shock or freak out this man. He's a pro and I felt very safe with you. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. I will say, I remember you were, uh, you know, you're this, obviously all this energy, very talented, obviously very at war, at odds with your career at that point. Kind of like, what the fuck is going on? What am I doing right now? And I remember identifying you as a powerhouse, but I'm like, now we just need to like actually become, like be what you are. And I think that sometimes we let all the information or like feeling a little lost we, we get seduced or sucked in by that. And like, you could have really taken a left or a right turn at that place. You could have gone, well, I'm behind the curve. You know, isn't it amazing that we see certain actors saying, it's too late. Oh you yeah. You know what I mean? And I oh, mean, yeah. this was 10 years ago, you know, you're in your twenties. It's like, it's not too late for anything. Mm-mm. Yeah. And so then you got in and then I just remember you, you actually, we remember we had the film festival mm-hmm. and you got so turned on by the film festival and you yes. were in a couple of them. I believe you won uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, at least one of them, maybe mm-hmm. two. And they were incredible films. And I want to know what that experience was like making those movies, like what you, what your process was and how you began to even just where those stories were coming from. You know, it's so interesting. I was just talking about this the other day. Before I found you, I had been to an acting coach that really ripped me apart publicly in front of everyone, saying that I didn't believe in my abilities as an actor because I was creating my own content. And it was proof that I didn't have confidence and I wasn't relying upon, I didn't believe in my future and I didn't believe, and, and that's, and I, it was an anxious side of myself that felt this need to write and to make stuff because I didn't have any confidence in my acting abilities. And, and it wasn't even what she was saying that was so hurtful, but it was the way that she was just really cutting me down in front of everyone that I thought, I don't know if she's right or wrong, but I know that she's not seeing me. I just know that that she's not seeing that I enjoy creating my own content. I have more to say than just being handed sides by strangers for a living. Like I have, <laughs> I'm a storyteller and I have ideas of my own. And so I left that acting teacher and I found you and you had a film festival that encouraged actors to try their hands at writing and directing and producing. And I thought, this is where I belong. I belong in a place that doesn't make me feel bad for not wanting to stay in my lane, but a place that sees that I am multifaceted and we all are as actors and we all have many skills and we should be trying all the lanes and veering, you know, swerving through all these lanes and we should be celebrated for it and patted on the back, not, you know, ripped to shreds publicly, ostracized. That's a, that's, um, first of all, I think it is incredible that you, the way you heard that teacher, I think you were able to identify a couple of things. You're able to identify one, okay, uh, first of all, the bullshit part of it, where it's like, you shouldn't be telling someone not to be creating in any way, support that. But then also that criticism of maybe not believing in yourself. I think you were able to identify maybe there's some truth that's existing in there somewhere. Uh, but it sounds like that teacher was conflating the two things. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. have, they're, they're not the same thing. Yeah. You're saying in whatever, there might be parts of myself that I'm not feeling completely confident in. But as far as my ability to create, that is a thing that I need to foster and nurture. Yeah, Um, exactly. I remember, Leah, in class, this was, uh, 
another reason that made me so emotional watching you in your movie was I remember in class, it was a very funny class where we were doing like a cop scene. You're playing a detective and you were like whining. You're like, stop it. And I'm like, Leah, you are a detective. You're a cop. And you just couldn't get away from the wine. And it was yeah. it was actually very funny. I was like, it was making it a bit of a comedy. <laughs> and we really talked about it. We talked about it in a way that was just like, this is something we really need to explore and investigate about like, where are where is this whining coming from that yeah. you're practicing? Because it ultimately it's just a habit. And you mm -hmm. came back a few months later and did a scene like that. And you were just dropped in and you were just like, you know, you were that person. And you really talked about how you worked on that at home in your relationship with your boyfriend and and how it became uh, uh, that you would come up with an agreement with him that he would call you out if you were doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that really says something of how you make it to this point right now is it doesn't matter if it doesn't feel good, mm -hmm. right? You have to separate. Like it never feels good to get a criticism, right? It never feels good because you know that means there's work ahead. Yeah. You know, but it feels like you were always one who, okay, I hear it. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to process it. And then I will figure out whether this is something I want to integrate. Yes, right. You know, yeah. but I did notice that when that coincided, that dropping in, you know, and dropping into that Leah power, that's also when so much of the good shit was, I mean, that is when I feel like a lot of your, like the Leah fierceness really began to like that thing. You really started to rock and roll from that, mm -hmm. you know? And that's about when you started doing MFA. Right. So let's like, so let's go to that. So everybody, you should all watch MFA. We're, we gotta, we gotta bolster. We're going to get a whole bunch of people to rent stuff on yeah. Apple. On, it's on streaming Apple. free on Amazon, on Amazon prime. If, if you okay. got it. Amazon needs the money. So we really yeah. gotta just join. Yeah, they're really struggling over there. <laughs> yeah, they're they're not doing well. But how so say so you made your short films. Right? Yeah. You did mm -hmm. that. Uh I think a lot of people here would like to know. Um how the fuck does that happen? How do you suddenly make MFA? Because that requires a lot of things. A, you gotta write it. B, you gotta raise money for it. Yes. Uh, you know, then all like coming from just making a couple of short films and then you were literally having a feature made that you were starring in. But you did not direct, right? I did not direct. Natalia right. Lette directed that. And um, I wasn't ready. You know, I, I didn't see myself as a director yet. It that's the that's a newer thing for me to direct and for me to believe in myself as a director is only the past couple of years. But at that point, I had done a bunch of shorts and I had done a web series, which was seven parts and altogether it was like an hour long. So it actually was a bit of footage and I had gained a lot of confidence because I would go on the festival tours with all of my projects. One thing that I've always been good at and I would advise other actors to really think about is seeing your films through. I know that it is so hard to just picture lock and you like have the thing and you've been through color and you've been through scoring and you signed all the contracts and you made the thing and you it's so and you're like, oh, I barely survived this. But in some ways, the work just begins once you have the actual product and it doesn't really help you if nobody sees it. So so half of the job is fighting for that short film or fighting for that web series and learning how to market it on social media and learning how to get it to your friends and your family and submit it to festivals and write those cover letters. Like all of that stuff really, really matters. And that was one of the things that I was good at. I was really good at seeing my short films to the very end, to the point where I, I rang that rag completely dry and no more festivals. The, the cycle has ended and that's the end of it. So by that point, I had done a lot of films, shorts that had gone to festivals. I'd done my web series and won a bunch of awards. I had producers calling and agents calling because I had been so dedicated to my tiny indie 
pieces. But I felt like what one thing that I really realized on the festival circuit was like the quote unquote real filmmakers were the ones with the features. Like they really did make you feel like you were the baby filmmaker if you had a short film and you were the celebrated filmmaker if you had a feature film. And I just thought that's how I will be taken seriously. That's how I will get to a top festival. That is how I will, you know, be doing this in a real way, not just performing filmmaking. And I had written my script and I was like, how do I get this made? And I made a list of everyone that I knew that had made a film or in some way had been able to finance certain things. And I just went on a million coffee dates And by the way, I always, always, always showed up on time and I always paid for the coffee because sometimes people ask me to go on these goddamn coffee dates and then they're late or they reschedule a million times or they don't pay for my coffee. And I'm always like, come on, guys, like you got to do this in a way that feels like you, you know, you are ready. You're, You're a professional. So I would go on a bunch of coffee dates and I would say, how do I do this? What is my first step? And everybody kind of said, here's the truth. You need the money. It really does. And it sounds sad and it sounds, you know, consumerist. It sounds capitalistic. It's all of it. But it, it is about the money. It's the difference between getting a movie made or not is the money. So somebody gave me amazing advice. They said, go to every single person you know and say, I'm making a movie. Do you know anyone who's ever considered financing film? I would say that to everyone, everyone on earth. And then you're, you're chasing down leads. You know, I had my little deck. I had my little like synopsis. I had my little uh, package, right? But it was really just me. It was just me and my script. So you're trying to make that look a little schnazzier than, than anything. And I just started chasing down leads. And some people are people that are in the business. And to be totally honest, on your first film, the people in the business are like the toughest people. Because they're like, who's attached, who's going to star, where's the budget, you know, and people that are like not in the business, but maybe made some money this year, have a little extra money. They could put it in a stock or they could put it in something sexy like Hollywood. Who doesn't want to have an IMDb credit? Who doesn't want to take their friends to a little premiere? Who doesn't want to come on set and see how it works or have like a little one-liner or something on a movie. Like all of that sounds very fun to people that are not in the business. So, you know, I'm chasing down leads. What I started doing was using my boyfriend's name at the time. My boyfriend, Shin, Shim Chimasawa, was a a TV writer at the time. And I was like, I'm going to put your name on this and say that you're producing it. To be totally honest, he had not agreed to producing anything. (laughs) He hadn't agreed to do anything. But I was like, I'm going to use your name. And he was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So here I'm, but I was able to, with his name and his legitimate credits, you know, at least people were like, oh, he's legit. You know, something about the package was legitimate because I was using Shin's name, um, even though he was he was busy on his TV show. Um, but then I start started to run out of people, you know, because even when you're telling every single person that, you know, my cousin put in like 10 grand, I start putting little bits together. I'm thinking I'm going to make it for 100 grand. Like that was my thought right? I was like, I can make this for a hundred grand, which like nowadays you can't make a movie for a hundred grand, but that was how I figured we could do it. But then what I did, and I'm really proud of this. (laughs) I don't know if you could still get away with this, but I figured out that on IMDb pro you could search financiers. And so what I started doing was I made a huge master list of every financing company that had a woman in its lead position because I, I knew that my movie, because it was a rape revenge film, like women would get it. And I sent 200 cold emails and I got like three responses. And one of them ended up being Mariah Owen, who to this day is produces my projects. And she was one of my biggest investors on the film. 
she flew to, you know, LA. She was in Toronto, flew to LA to meet me. And it was with her investment that we were able to actually like green light the film. Essentially, we had enough to get it going. But, and then we ended up needing more money for this and that. By the end, it was made for like 250,000. But I will say like, it really does take you going out there and believing that your project is real before anyone else will. Like, and, and the beautiful thing that my cousin was my first investor with my ten, with that 10 grand. Once you have that first investment, you can say, I'm partially financed. So now you're not just looking for first in money. Now you're telling everybody we're partially financed. The other thing that I did right, even though it was very green and amateurish and maybe kind of stupid, I said, we're shooting in August. So I gave myself a start date so that it, the train is moving with or without you, you know? So then it puts a fire under people's asses because people are used to, oh, it'll be shot when it comes together, which could be two years from now or could be never. But with me, I was like, we're shooting it in August. And I was kind of willing it into, into happening. But the biggest win in some ways was that I went to Chapman where I, I went to the president of Chapman President Doty. And I said, that's where I graduated. And I said, I need the campus. I don't have any money, but I need to shoot my movie on the campus. And he said, he was like two weeks from like retiring. And he was like, what do you need? What part of the campus do you need? And I said, everything. <laughs> I was like, I need the football field. I need the art school. I need, I just, I need everything. And he said, let me just grease some of these wheels for you. And it was like his final pardon right before he retired. And he gave me the entire campus and I was able to shoot for free at Chapman. This is how you do it, right? You beg, okay, you borrow, I, you steal. Well, I, you do it for us. I'm so in love with this conversation. Well, a couple of things. No, there's so many things that um, just even going back to the short film, like you making short films, you saying like, you've got to go all in. You've got to basically, you've got to post, you've got to tell everybody. And I know for me, it's one of my, you know, one of my things, you know, you ran my social media for a little while. I hated promoting myself. I hated it. You know, it felt so... A lot of people you do, feel. and it feels yucky. To, it did, but it's also, uh, it's also bullshit. It just kind of like get comfortable with the discomfort. You know what I mean? I think it's because yep. for me, yep. I, I, even though very, very confident in the brand and what we do and all of that, sometimes I experience other people pounding their chest, and it turns me off. You know. And sometimes I project, you know, and I think that's what happens with a lot of actors. But I think for you, what I'm seeing is I think there's some, I think your desire to get it seen and witnessed is so pure. It is so pure and it is such a true expression. Like, listen, I'm just listening to you. Like, this is nothing you're putting on. This is something like, it is truly to your core who you are. There is like an idea of like, this is what I need. This is what I want. I mean, you are asking people for, I mean, it's really irrational what you're asking. I would like all of your campus. Yeah. Like I, tr- I truly believe yeah. you could get a, a Mercedes dealer to give you a car. If you're just like, I'm telling you, just yeah. give it to me. I do. I think you could. Yes, I could. But I believe. <laughs> oh, yeah. But what I'm hearing is that I think what a lot of actors should be hearing is that it does require you to kind of get out of your own way and to really own up to like the fact, whatever, like really analyze what's holding you back from promoting this thing and learning that thing. If you are right, yep. no matter what short films, I, when I, I love it when one of my actors gets a short film into a festival, but the argument is if you have a get a short film into a festival, you better be armed with something because no one's going to be asking you what's your next short. Everyone's going to be asking like, and what's mm-hmm. the thing that you're trying to do with this? Like, what are you trying, where are you trying to get to? Mm-hmm. But what I'm also, that, that, yeah. that, that amazing Leah McKendrick uh, chutzpah, as we say, uh, how did you get that investor, that woman who just responded to your email? Was it just that she saw it? She saw in your, in your countenance, in your being that, okay, this is someone I really want to be investing in. This is, I believe in you just off of, 
what I'm witnessing in person? It was one of those magical things where we were both young, like-minded women trying to find our way towards our dreams. And one thing that I found to be consistent both with Mariah and several of my investors over many of my projects has been this. They ha- One literally said to me, I read your script. I don't like it very much. I don't think it's going to do well, but I like you. So I'm going to give you the money. And I've had that happen to me where sometimes they don't even read the script. It's about investing in me and believing that my vision and my dreams matter to them. You know, that, 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 that I'm going to make something of myself and they, they're, they're going to they're gonna bet on me, right? And so I think Mariah, when she came from Toronto and came to LA and saw that I was a real woman, not an email, you know, not print on a, on a screen, and you get to know me and you see the stars in my eyes, I think that's really what it is, to be honest, if I have to like pull out and look at myself, is that I do believe 100% in everything that I'm fighting for. You know, I believed with MFA that it was a story that needed to be told. I knew I was going to die on this hill. And I knew that I was making my movie with or without any one of these people. Like I knew, I was like, I'll be making my movie. Because I, and then here's another thing, John, that, you know, talking about hashtag actor life, it was really, really hard for me this one year. I had not been working. I had been auditioning a lot and not booking anything. And I was heartbroken because I was like, I just want to be on set. I just want to work. I miss acting, you know, in college, I acted every day. And now I'm, I'm doing so little of that. And I said, I'm going to be a yes girl. And I'm going to say yes to everything. And I'm going to start doing short films. And I'm going to start doing student films. And I'm just going to shoot everything. And I'm going to be down. And then I went into a year where I was in so much stuff. And then stuff didn't get made. Stuff ended up on the cutting room floor. Stuff was so, some stuff was so amateurish that I was embarrassed to even be a part of it. Some of these roles that I auditioned for three separate times, I was playing like a hooker and I, with three lines and I'm looking like an idiot. And I just said, okay, maybe the pendulum, (laughs) it swung too far in the opposite direction but I can make work that is better than this. Like I can, all the things that I can, I can guarantee that everything I make will get finished, will get released at least. So many of these things that I just spent all of these months shooting aren't even getting, oh, the producers broke up and somebody stole the drive and now it's not getting finished. Or, oh, the director didn't like how it turned out, so now he's not going to put it out. It was like, it blew my mind that we could all invest so much time and effort and money into these projects and people could just kill them without releasing them. And I was like, well, I, at least I can guarantee and tell my team, my cast and my crews, I don't have the money to pay you what you deserve, but I promise you, I'm going to fight to it with, I'm going to fight for this till the finish. I promise it will go places. Anyway, I'm getting on my soapbox a little bit. So I feel like that is the one thing that I know about myself is that when you meet me, you know, I'm not messing around. (laughs) You know, you know that I'm not taking your money and going to the mall. You know that I, you can invest in me and something's going to happen with it. And so Mariah was like, she thought I was a scam when she read the email and her mom, she spoke to her mom about it. Her mom advised her to not come meet me, but she still came, flew in and met me. And we had this kind of magical lunch where we just realized how similar we were and how hardworking we both were naturally. And by the end of that lunch, she said, I'm going to give you the money. And she ended up giving me a big chunk and even investing more over the course of shooting. And it, it, could, it wouldn't have been made without her. And I didn't know her. She was a freaking stranger that I found on IMDb, but I sent hundreds of Cold emails. They tell you never to do that, but it worked for me. You know, when you talk about hashtag act your life, one of the reasons, uh, you know, I was always, I never wanted to do a podcast initially because I was like, what, what am I going to add to this? There's a C. But I think after the pandemic 
And after the strike and all of that, it just started to occur to me, wait, I do actually have something I really want to say. Um, there's something very clear that I want to say. It's that I think it got a lot of actors so disillusioned by the industry and, and they started to have a very uh, fraught relationship with acting, you know, that it made, yeah. it's made certain actors more hobbyists or it's made them lose a vision mm -hmm. or less inclined to really invest their humanity and soul into things. And the truth is it requires a hundred percent investment of your soul and being and desire. And you, you have to have that a certain level of delusion in order to be able to be successful. You know, you have to have such a clarity of like, look, I want to be on fucking set. I deserve to have yeah. uh, my artistry be witnessed by human beings and I will help you take it home, you know, and to remind people that like this career, no matter who you are, is not a straight line. It is the ups and downs. It is that no one success just happened, you know, and it is important to get back yeah. on the, you know, get back on the horse and start to dig in again. But it is, yeah. and, but it is, yeah. I think you have to, there, it, it is a grind. This, it is a grind, but we have to like, like the grind. And that's the one thing. And, and, and I, what I watch you is like that grind, you're so used to it that it's kind of like, if you weren't having it, you'd probably feel like, I, where, where's my grind? It's having a relationship to that. Totally. Yes. Yeah. You know, so, someone's telling me what it's like to have ADHD, Ron because he's an ADHD expert, he has ADHD. And he was saying that it can be very hard for people with ADHD to think of the ultimate goal. They just want to put one foot in front of the other. So just focus on getting out of bed, then focus on brushing your teeth, then focusing on getting in the car, then focus on getting to work. I can't live like that. I don't have ADHD, but it's so interesting to me how opposite my brain works. My the only way I'm able to get out of bed in the morning is to see the mountain in the distance and to go, I'm working towards my movie being in theaters and my next movie, they trust me a little bit more and they let me hire who I want to hire. They give me that bigger budget. Like that's the only way I can get out of bed. If I think, oh, I'm going to get up and I'm brush my teeth and I'm going to sit at my laptop and I'm going to write, I'm like, oh, why? You know, I'm a big dreamer. I'm a big dreamer. That's the only way I... I can get excited for the grind is that I can see the payoff in the distance. I think it's really, you have to be a big dreamer. You have to have a vision of what you want to do or uh, that puts you in motion. Wouldn't you say at least it's to, yeah. real, to realize it, to realize your ambition, no matter what it is, it's, you have to have the vision of where you, you want to go. Otherwise you're literally, and I think this is going back to what you said at the beginning, you're letting everyone else define what you're capable of or define what you should be able to do. And the whole thing, if that's, right. if that's it, then you're, you're limiting yourself to other people's perceptions. And that is yes. certainly not something that you're, that you've been doing. Um, but then we got MFA, you made it, it got a release, right? And then a whole bunch of new opportunities started to come your way. Uh, what, would you say that there were acting opportunities or writing more? At first, it was, I, I for like about a year, I lived the perfect dream where I was making a living as an actor and a writer. And I had this perfect little year right after, right around when MFA came out where finally my acting was pulling through and I was working and I was starting to transition into making a living as a writer. And then I sold a script, my first big script to Sony. And then it was like I had unknowingly made a deal with the devil and I had no longer had an acting career. And suddenly it was like, she's a writer, she's a writer, she's a writer, she's a writer. And I don't think I immediately recognized what was happening because I was so excited. I got, you know, I was out of debt. Suddenly I was making good money. I, you know, I went from kind of paycheck to paycheck living to a, a whole new era of my, of my life. Um, but everybody wanted me to write. So 
suddenly everyone, all these opportunities were coming to me. And then that led to me getting the Grease prequel. That led to me getting another Sony movie. Then I got this movie and this movie. And and it was amazing because I was making very good money, but I was going, wait, I'm an actor. I'm an actor. Does anybody know that I'm an actor? And it felt like everyone was kind of going like, yeah, 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 yeah. But get back to writing, get back to writing. And I think it's, I think it's that I never hit it really big as an actor. You know, it wasn't like I was a star of a series. I never had a series reg. I mean, I'd had a couple recurrings and I'd had, you know, I got a pilot here and, but nothing ever really took off. And, but I was like, so proud of that because as you know, when I came to JRS 10 years ago, I didn't even have, I don't even think I had a co-star, you know, I had just independent films and, and short films really. So I had fought for every one of those credits from guest stars to recurrings to, you know, some studio films I had done. I was super, super proud of that. And so I felt like suddenly that entire climb, that entire climb to the mountaintop was just kind of looked down upon in to, you know, because now I was a writer and I was, I was in the, in, in a sort of new phase of my career where everyone wanted to forget that I acted. And when I started meeting with the big agencies, I, I was really clear. I am a multi-hyphenate. I don't want to just write. I want to act. And I felt that the attitude was quite like appeasing, like sure, little cutie. Okay. Whatever you say, whatever gets you to this agency, one agency straight up said, we're not in the business of sending you on auditions. That's not what we do here. And if you want to build your own vehicle and star in it, we will help you make that. But we're not going to send you on auditions. We're not going to like give you an acting agent. Like that's just not how I mean, our you business said it works. Earlier. It all comes yeah. down to money and they're going to make, I mean, I have a number of clients who complain about this thing of, you know, sold shows, whatever. And they're, they're not, they're asking for their pitch deck for their next thing and this thing. And when are you going to have this script? And then the actor goes, um, uh, what about auditions for the, this project? Like, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, 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 we'll get, we'll, we'll get back to you on that. But it's because you're making your big, their payday is coming from you actually creating this movie that makes a lot of money and, and all that. So the, the financials make sense when it comes to that. But as someone that's worked that hard and wants to, that's what they're, they're wanting for their careers. It, I'm sure it can be wildly frustrating. It was because it made me feel like nothing I had done and all the, I decided to be a, a writer. I, they said I was a writer five minutes ago, but I have my degree in acting. I have been fighting. I, all the millions of auditions, all the millions of sets, suddenly none of that was impressive to the business at all. And I just was like, you know, it made me feel kind of bad about myself. Like maybe I'm not good at acting and maybe they saw my stuff and, and they were like, well, she's just not that good at this. And so let's go where we think we'll be able to make some money, which is her writing. And and you internalize that, John, you know, I think there was a few years there where I was like believing them that maybe I was a writer or maybe I needed to stay in my lane. Also, you're so overworked. I have so many deadlines that it was almost like I can barely find the time. Even when they would throw me an audition, I'm like, Oh God, I was like barely going to make this deadline as is. And now I got to take a day off so I can learn these lines and I got to get it, you know, I got to tape. And because I used to tape with Ryan Garcia and we would be like a machine two, two, three times a a week. We're just clocking them, sending them in next one, sending them in. But now I had this writing career and I just didn't know how to balance the two and fight for one when I, when I don't feel like I'm being really believed in. It's tough because you're writing scripts and they're all, they always want them for Jennifer Lawrence. There's no conversation of you being in them ever. You know, it's kind of like if you want to be in it, let's let's write write yourself a little part and then maybe, you know, you can you can be in it. Actually, my producers of Greece were really supportive and I had a part in that in Greece where I was going to get to sing and do the whole thing and then Greece got killed. So it's like I just felt like my there was a frustrated abandoned actor inside of myself 
and I had made a deal to, to, to write big studio movies. And suddenly I wasn't broke anymore, but I was, you know, frustrated and I was lonely. That's another thing people don't talk about is like, when you're a writer, you spend all your time alone with a laptop. And when you're an actor, there's so much community. I mean, especially when you're in class, like you see each other once a week and then you're in each other's houses, you're rehearsing, you're texting each other. I mean, I remember after class at JRS, I would always get texts from Kelly or from Graham or from Sterling or from Brett, like all these, my friends being like, you crushed it tonight. Or like, how did I do? Or like, oh my God, the sides this week, they're crazy. Or like, I haven't rehearsed enough. Do you want to come? There's so much community. It's such a team sport as an actor. And then you're, you're an actor, you're playing basketball. And then suddenly you become a tennis player as a screenwriter. And you're just like, where is my community? You know, where are my people? How do I survive yeah. this? You know? Yeah. That was a tough time. For sure. Well, when Greece got pulled, um, I remember mm -hmm. we had talked and you're like, I need to fucking make something. And that was the birth of Scrambled. Yes. And that was, yes. it, it almost sounds like you were trying to like, you wanted to heal really fast, which meant I need to go all in. I'm going <laughs> to star. I'm going to direct. I'm writing this thing. And it is going to be uh that's going to be my life. It sounds like, like that was your medicine. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had tried my hand at directing a couple times. I had directed a couple shorts and, and also starred and thought, you know, I love a short film as we know it teaches you so much. Obviously a feature film requires more stamina, but if you can pull off a short film, you yeah. can, you know, that's, you've proven something really valuable to yourself. And so the way that I felt was like, I have been a good girl. I have been a good girl. I have stayed in my lane. I have followed directions. I have been kind. I have been a team player. I have been at the middle of huge fights amongst many 800-pound gorillas. And I have saved the day more than once. I have stayed true to the story. I have always had my eye on the North Star. Like I have done everything right. And you just killed my movies. More than one. It was like I had a TV show, HBO, that got killed. I had a, my directorial debut at Paramount that got killed. I had my Grease prequel get killed. All in like the span of a, one was in one, two were in one day. And one was like a few weeks earlier. And I just, it was like my entire belief system crumbled along with it. It was like, if I'm just a good girl and I do what I'm told, they want me to write, then it will pay off for me. And then I thought, it's, what do I have to show for these years of doing what I'm told and staying in my lane. Not enough. I'll tell you one thing. I used to make movies. Like I might not have made any money, but at least people knew who I was from my work. Now nobody knows who I am from my work. They know through who I am through my scripts, which to me is just a blueprint. It doesn't, it's not a finished product. And also how many millions, zillions of drafts of all of these scripts exist in the world for what? you know, and I just felt like I was wasting away and I didn't have anything to show for it. So I was like, I'm not, I'm done playing by their rules. I'm going to do it the way I've always known to do it, which is get in the driver's seat and do it the way I want to do it. I'm not going to be a good girl. I'm not going to take notes. I'm not going to hand this over to Jennifer Lawrence. And I'm not going to hand this over to whatever dude filmmaker would normally, it would normally be handed over to. So it was my rebellion against the past years of being told to stay in my lane and that I wasn't an actor and that I, and that I, you know, had to do what I was hired for. Some of the things you say really match stuff that Mark Duplass says as well. Just about, I mean, yeah. he just so much about the thing you have in common. He's always talking about sharing his material with his friends, like asking for fair, like talking, get your community involved. He's like, you cannot do this on yourself. But I think the reason you were even able to do any of this is you are been so transparent about who you are as a human. And you have all these people in your orbit who are on your team regarding when you do need, like, I need to make this movie. And they're like, we're with you. Help, help. You're never afraid to ask for that help. And I was scrambled. You needed a lot of help. I mean, you needed your, 
I mean, you got a bigger budget than you did for MFA, but it was small. Um, yeah. How long did it take you to write Scrambled? I wrote it oh, in like three weeks. That's so upsetting to so it. many people. <laughs> They're going to be so upset by that. You wrote it. Uh, <laughs> you wrote that in three weeks. And we worked that in class and I fell in love with it. I have to tell you, you know, you had so many wonderful scenes in that movie that were, thank, thank you for that, because they were great for class that we could do. <laughs> and one of my, in, I was really interested to see how is it going to hold together as a entire project? You know, that's one of the things you don't know until you see it, but it had a certain, I'm really plugging this movie right now for anyone that be listening, but um, I find the thing that threads it all together is exactly what we're witnessing from you. Like literally this like complete, like I need to make this. That is literally what your character's doing in this movie. I need a win. Mm -hmm. Like the character just needs a win. Yes. I need a singular win. Yeah. I need that. And there's millions of obstacles. I mean, the film is almost, what word am I looking for? Uh, it, it's mirroring your acting. It's it's mirroring exactly what you're saying regarding acting and writing okay. is that you need that win and the obstacles are almost unsurmountable. It's like, my God, you've got a father who's a, a, a bit of a naysayer. You've got a brother who's challenging. You know, you're not exact. You're not doing well financially. You're not like your 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 mm -hmm. friends are not in sync all the time. It doesn't feel like your community is quite there. And you want this very right. simple thing. You want, and that yes. I think that's what's so great about that, which is also uh, showing what a student you are of just writing and all of that. Any writer needs to be so clear on what their main character wants. That's it. You just got to be so clear on what they're going for. And then you have to present obstacles on them mm -hmm. getting that. And it really doesn't matter what that mm -hmm. want is. Sometimes like, well, that's like, if you think about it on the, on, on the page, you'd go like, what eggs? Is that really like, 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 you know, I'm, I'm eggs. You're like, is that, is that going to be a relatable want? Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah. not even the subject <laughs> of your want or the object of your want isn't even that, I mean, it is important to a lot of women who I think are going to be able to relate to that, but that's also a smaller portion of the world. But the thing is men can relate to this. It's like, and to a certain extent, it's like, mm -hmm. you know, the movie, I mean, the TV show Fleabag, it's a, it's a brilliant Fleabag. thing. Yeah. In no way did they think that that would be a universal show that would catch fire. But to me, yeah. the reason is it resonated with me so much as yours did. I thought Fleabag was about every character kind of felt like a flea bag. It just shows you, it's like you've, everybody felt witnessed by it. Like we all kind of feel like pieces mm -hmm. of shit sometimes mm -hmm. or what the fuck are we doing with our lives, you yeah. know? And yeah. yours was about having control of your life. You know, I want a win and I want to feel like I have time and I don't want to feel like I'm at the mercy of, of so many different things and to watch and we could become so invested right. in it. Were you even aware that that, but I, what I'm curious about, it was, it's all intuition for you. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've realized it after it's been brought up to me and after I've reflected that in many ways it reflects, it was me taking control of my fertility and then a year later taking control of my career. And like you said, needing a win and kind of grabbing the ball and just running, you know, muscling through. I'm not letting go of the ball this time. I've handed it off. I've made the passes. I do a lot of sports analogies. I'm not quite sure why, but just needing to to. Do you like sports? To hold on to the ball. <laughs> not particular. I like basketball, but I do a lot of football analogies. <laughs> not sure why. Don't know a thing about football, but. But I do understand, you know, watching the Super Bowl and seeing how brave sometimes you have to be. You know, you're waiting to make the pass. No one's open. And then they just start, all right, I'm taking it home. It's kind of, I think that that's how I felt. Like all the obstacles coming at me, like I just have to keep my head down and keep keep pushing forward. Or it's not going to happen. Nobody's handing Question. it to me. That's are for sure. Are you a therapy person? You are a therapy person. Yes. Big time. Big time. No, I was wondering yes. because... I heard Steven Spielberg talk about how he's never been to therapy. I thought that was interesting. Um, wow. You know, I mean, a white Jewish man who's the age of, you know, 70, having never gone to therapy, that's more of like the, you know, that's the exception. But he said, wow. but he talked about yeah. how his films are his therapy. That's where he works out his issues. Um, <laughs> so I was wondering where you were on that. But no, you are a therapy person. 
I am a therapy person. And in therapy, we talk about how my film films reflect my inner life. And a lot of times my therapist, she'll, she'll point it out in ways that I didn't even realize because when I'm writing, I feel sometimes it's hard to know where, where I end and my story begins or my characters begin, but they're all, they all come from me. So people ask me that question a lot. How much is Nellie and how much is you? And I don't even, <laughs> I don't even no, know I, because it's, but I love it's a that. Listen, I think, I think there's something, it all makes sense. Everything tracks with you as far as your creative process, because, you know, even like when going back to, to Spielberg, I'm putting you and Spielberg together, uh, only in this, in that, no, but he, he, he was saying that he has an idea. Obviously he comes to set with maybe an idea of what it would look like, but he says he loved, he liked, he like he likes to go to set scared. He wants to be nervous a little bit because he knows he's going to have to figure it out on the day. Like if he, he says, it's always going to be bad if I've already have it totally figured out. If I have it totally figured out, I'm not, I'm not yeah. receiving what's really happening. I'm not going by my intuition. I, I, you have to be so alive. Yes. And I remember yes. we talked about the movie. Oh my gosh. What, what were you going to say? I relate to that a lot. Just this wanting to, to have it feel as organic and experimental as possible. And sometimes the nature of filmmaking is so planned and so inorganic and so to a T, you know, just structurally sound that I, the art, the wild theater, theater artist in me gets a little frustrated because I just want to try shit and see what happens. Put the camera on my actor and let's just see what happens, what we find. Yeah. And you go from there and then you try to amplify what's working. You figure out what it is. And I, we were talking about your camera movement. Like one of the things is I feel a little validated. I read one of the reviews of your, of your uh, movie that actually echoed what I told you after the screening is that, you know, there were some scenes that were really poppy, kind of like television, you know, like a really, like really well-written television. But what you did uh, in the way that you were shooting it is it really grounded it. So you weren't, you you just kind of got seduced into the language and the world, but you weren't feeling like you were watching an NBC show. You felt like you were watching a feature. And you said, I wasn't mm. aware of any of that. I wasn't even thinking that. You're just, I was going by intuition. <laughs> but I think that that is something. Listen, it's the way I feel about my about when I teach. I love working on material that I've never seen before because I was like, I'm, or, or just or the new class, because I'm sitting there going, I can't wait to see what's working, what's not working, like where, what we can figure out on how to make it work with you. Um, that's what you're doing. And I think at the end of the day, that does take such faith in your skill set. But I do want to say, mm. which I really would love everyone to kind of take from is that you are, and what I'm hearing from you, like you are allowed to have those days, those months where you're just like, maybe I'm awful. Maybe I'm terrible. Maybe this isn't going to work. But then you also have to have that part of you that's like, but here I go again. We're right back on the saddle. That's what I'm Yes. Yeah. We only got a couple of minutes mm -hmm. left. Uh, I could really talk to you <laughs> forever. We do have to. Um, I know. What are you working on next? I'm working on the next movie that I'm going to be directing, which is very exciting. Funny enough, it was that first script that gave me a writing career. I'm getting to direct it now. It has sort of been finding its way through the studio system, many different actors attached and directors, and it's my baby. So Netflix stepped in to be the hero, and now I get to direct it for Netflix, which is really exciting. And um, but you know, it's gonna it's it's new for me to direct. Look, it's a big studio film, and and um, yay, I get a bigger budget, but it's already look. I don't get to say no, I'm not taking notes. <laughs> I don't get to do that anymore. I gotta, I gotta really listen and I gotta make sure that I find myself in it and that it feels authentic. And I think the, it, at this stage in my career, in some ways, I'm feeling fiercely, fiercely protective of my voice. I'm feeling fiercely protective of my North Star. And I think as long as I can maintain, because the way that I view it is like, you can see your North Star in a clear sky when you turn in your first draft because you it's just been you and your script. And then notes start coming in and they are clouds. And they are clouds. And you need to be able to go, oh, wait, hold on. Where is it? 
okay, it's right there. In order for you to take notes and to know which ones to take and which ones to say, I can't take that one and here's why, you have to always know where your North Star is. And so I'm, tr- I'm, so, I'm really, my eye is trained on my North Star so that I don't lose myself in this new era of the studio film with studio bosses trying to guide me. I definitely have confidence in you. Well, I'm, we're going <laughs> to do this you. again if you're up for it after this move, after this next one. You were the are. best. It was so good to watch my movie with you. It was so affirming and beautiful and full circle. And there's no one I would have rather sat with than you, John. And I know that you're proud of me and that makes me proud of me. Okay, I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, I love you. I love All you. All right. Hashtag Actor Life is a John Rosenfeld Studios podcast produced by Paved Path Productions. Filmed by Haley Tucker, sound engineering by Haley and Adam Tucker, sound mixing and original music by Brandon Liu and Brandon Liu Music. To learn more about John Rosenfeld Studios, visit www.johnrosenfeld.com.